This is Talk Back, a public affairs presentation of the Beasley Media Group Fayetteville. The opinions expressed on this program do not necessarily reflect the opinions of the Beasley Media Group, its management, staff, or advertisers. I'm Paul Johnson, sitting in this week for Danny Highsmith. We've got a couple special guests, Dr. Brian King, who bills himself as a psychologist and comedian. Excuse me if uh, I follow your preference and call you Brian <laughs> when we talk. That's fine. You've got the Dr. Brian on the book, and I'll make a special note that the name of the book is The Art of Taking It Easy by Dr. Brian King, psychologist and comedian. But what a great regular guy. He says, call me Brian when we're mm-hmm. on and just talking. Hey, you know, I've never been comfortable calling myself Dr. King. Uh, that's, a, <laughs> that's been taken. <laughs> there you go. you got a special guest with I you. I do, today. I do. So I wrote this book about how to manage stress. And uh, I have, um, of course, there's lots of examples on people who manage stress really well. I always refer to uh, people with expertise in military and special training and so forth. And, and we happen to be here in Fayetteville, the home of lots of military and people with special training. And so I brought in my friend Cuban, uh, my friend Clem, who goes by Cuban. Uh, so he's here with me today. Outstanding. Well, we'll have the opportunity to talk about uh, stress, coping with it. I love the fact that you call the, the, the book The Art of Taking It Easy, How to Cope with Bears, Traffic, and the Rest of Life Stressors. And bears can be about anything. <laughs> Especially bears in traffic. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Well, you've got the opportunity to uh, give us over the next half hour a lot of background into this, and I want to throw it out. Um, you've got some proven techniques for avoiding and managing stress, rewiring our brains, an interesting uh, approach to uh, handling potentially difficult situations through a lens of positivity. Mm-hmm. Now, that's a positive mental attitude. That's where this, you know, that's where we come from. Absolutely. Yeah. And the other thing is uh, there's a lot of, um, uh, there's a lot of consequences to stress. Um, and anxiety and insecurities and repression and negativity, which can lead to lots of difficult problems. Can you outline just a couple of them? Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, we all know stress uh, is terrible. You know, we all, we all suffer from it. We all experience it. Uh, we feel it in our gut. Uh, we know that stress leads to things like hypertension. Uh, you know, it cause, it, it's, a, it's a major contributor to uh, heart disease. Uh, Mental illnesses like depression, anxiety disorders, uh, PTSD. Obviously, stress is in the name of PTSD. Uh, you know, there's a there's, there's a whole lot of things. Even that stress eating affects. too much. Eating too much. Eating too little. Uh, yeah. You know, chronic stress actually knocks out your appetite. Uh, so, and then people lose extraordinary amounts of weight uh, and and become very unhealthy uh, because of stress conditions. There, there's there's so many ways in which stress can impact our physical and mental health. You've got so many great ways of helping people through it. The best part is, is that these are um, chemical-free and really cost-free. Yeah, pretty much, yeah. It so, really is. So let's talk. Let's go back to the beginning and talk about how did you begin blending work as a psychologist with um, comedy? Yeah. Well, uh, that's, yeah, it's a long story, actually, or not a long story. It's like, an, it's a short story. I can make it two sentences, but it's a, uh, it's a long process. It took me, it took me forever. Uh, 
I, uh, for the longest time, I was a psychologist. I was a guy with a degree in psychology, and uh, and I did certain things in my career, and uh, and then I became a stand-up comedian. And for the uh, like a lot of people who do these things, uh, where they have sort of their their artistic expression and their day job, they try to keep those things separate, right. you know. And and so that was me. I was psychologist by day, uh, stand-up comedian at night. I was like the world's stupidest superhero, <laughs> you know, like no uh, no no powers, but uh, you know the secret identity. Uh, and uh, and I don't know why I did that. I guess because on stage as a comedian, I was free to use certain language, talk about certain subjects, you know, things that that people in my day jobs wouldn't have a, have, have appreciated all that yeah. much, you know. Uh, but at some point, uh, I, I started rolling them together, and uh, and I realized, and th- and this is actually a story I tell uh, frequently. I was uh, I was I did a show uh, down in Cocoa Beach, Florida. Cubans from Florida, so he knows where I'm talking about. Uh, I did a show down in Cocoa Beach, Florida. It's right next to a military base. Uh, And uh, not unlike where we are here, there's a huge military presence in this area. Uh, And this guy comes up to me after the show. You know, I remember him coming in because he was, uh, he came in late, like mid-show. He sat in the front. And uh, uh, it's strange that somebody would come in in the middle of the show and choose a a front seat. You know, it's pretty obvious, you know. (laughs) But the thing that made him even more memorable was that he didn't really start, he didn't laugh. He, like, he sat there kind of stoic, you know, just kind of serious looking, you know, arms crossed and everything. And I remember uh, uh, seeing him there and being aware of his presence during my set. And I kept uh, directing jokes to him, trying to get them, trying to get him to crack, you know. And mm-hmm. eventually, he started laughing and he started having a good time and cracked a smile here and there. But he, yeah, yeah, anyway, I, I was never really sure what his deal was, you know. So at the end of the show, I'm doing a little meet and greet because I do this after every show, uh, and I'm, uh, I'm I'm saying th- you know thank you for the people that are coming out and, and you know trying to you know have them hey check me out on social media you know the stuff yeah. we do uh, and uh, this guy uh, I, I see him as he's leaving. But instead of uh, me having to, like, reach out to him and say, hey, you know, thanks for coming, he actually comes straight to me, and uh, he has his hand out to shake my hand, and he looks me dead in the eye, and he just says, thank you. You know, like, real serious thank you. And in the back of my head, I'm thinking, for what? (laughs) You know, you came in late. It was hard to make you laugh, you know? And he says, no, I want to thank you. He says, "Uh, I suffer from PTSD. Uh, he says, uh, and you know, I could, I, I, you could tell. I mean, he's got this this muscular build. He's, uh, he, his his posture is perfect. His haircut is low. You know, he's a military guy. Yeah. You know, and I put the context together, and I said, and he's like, uh, you know, I suffer from PTSD. And he says, uh, today was a really really tough day for me. You know, it was a really hard day. I was having, I was struggling to get by. I was having a difficult time. Uh, I didn't know what was going on in my life. And he, and then he got went on. He said, you know. I didn't even know there was a comedy club in this town. I was just wandering down the street, uh, not knowing what I was going to do, and I came wow. in here to get a drink. Uh, and uh, and he said, you know, as I sat down, I started laughing, I started feeling better, and by the end of the show, I, I feel completely better. He said, uh, you know, I, and then he goes on, he says to me, um, none of my therapy sessions have ever made me feel this way, uh, you know. Wow. And I thought, wow, that's really uh, that's really powerful feedback. I mean, I was in the mo- in the moment, I was like, you know, meet and greet mode, and I'm trying to uh, uh, connect with people as they're leaving the audience. But it stuck with me, 
And for the, my entire drive the next day to wherever I was going, uh, I kept thinking about this encounter with this guy, uh, you know, and it kept replaying over and over in my head. And I started thinking about this idea about um, is there any real benefit to laughing from on a therapeutic basis? You know, mm -hmm. I, I know I like laughing. I know we all like laughing, yeah. you know. Is there any real therapeutic benefit into it? So as soon as I got to where I was going, I decided I was going to start doing some research and I started reading a little bit and I found out, yes, there is. There's a whole lot of research on it. There is some tremendous benefits. Uh, most importantly, of course, it helps us reduce stress, which is what this guy was probably, you know, indicating. Helps us to feel better, you know, come out of depression, things like that. And, uh, and I decided at that point I was no longer going to keep those two worlds separate. You know, I was going to start focusing uh, my psychology practice, whatever it was, whatever it was going to turn into. I was going to start focusing my psychology work on uh, aspects that relate to humor and, and, and no longer keeping them separate. Yeah. You know, that, was, that was really the, uh, the beginning for the me. The first time I heard the word coping skills, I was uh, living in Charlotte at the time. And Charlotte Motor Speedway is the kind of the hub of NASCAR racing. And... One of the uh, seminars that they did where they were introducing all the various different aspects of technology as it relates to uh, NASCAR racing. So what was the difference between the top performing teams? It was better performance in preparation of the cars and better performance by the drivers. Yeah. And sometimes in that high-stress occupation where you're taking a car around a track at near 200 miles per hour, and you've got a puff of air between you and the outside wall, and you're supposed to drive deep into the corners and let the centrifugal force of the car actually turn you when it hits the banking. Mm -hmm. There's some fear in that <laughs> type of thing for most individuals. I can imagine. Yeah, less so. And so um, this performance psychologist came up and said, you know, Sometimes guys just hold back. They get to the to the point to where they're doing just about everything that they can do. But then they hit that moment of fear, yeah. apprehension. They hold back. It's my thing to try to get them to break through that and let physics take its course and for people to let go and, and do that. You know, he said, I have to give them coping skills mm -hmm. and that was the first time i ever heard that phrase uh. rewiring their brains is the way you said it how how does the process work you know it's it's uh it's complicated but it's actually simple to describe uh so let me just say that uh you know we all experience stress right we i, I think we i think it's important under, to start with a basic understanding of stress and so we all experience stress but but uh do we really know what it is uh Stress is uh, is a feeling. You know, there's a physiological response. You know, we get all agitated. You know, our our blood starts to boil, so to speak, metaphorically. You know, we get the adrenaline pumping, the cortisol pumping, the heart rate increases, and so forth. But all of that is triggered by things that happen in the brain, uh, and uh, and and the brain stuff is the important stuff uh, that to understand. So, uh, your brain uh, initiates all these changes because it perceives something in your environment as uh, potentially threatening or uncomfortable or something that's that's unsettling that is that perception is based entirely on uh, your brain's 
pre-existing knowledge and information. You know, so uh, you know we go through life accumulating knowledge. You know, mm-hmm. this your your all of our brains have a whole bunch of stuff in it. You know, and, yeah. and that's all thanks to the way we've lived and the experiences that we've had and so forth. Uh, well. Uh, people use different types of terms to describe those things. They call them cognitions. They call them, uh, you know, little cognitive units, uh, you know, schemas, you know, is yeah. another term. It's popular in therapeutic context. I like to call them thoughts because uh, that's, you know, why be complicated? You know what I mean? Like it doesn't make any point. We're talking about hypothetical constructs anyway. You know, yeah. it's not like uh, it's not like the person who uses the term schema is pointing to a very specific, you know, cell in the brain. He's just he's just making it up now. Uh, you know, thoughts, that's what they are. So you have all these thoughts in your head and these thoughts in your head lead your brain to interpret different situations in certain ways. And you, they lead you to perceive uh, environmental, uh, environmental situations as potentially threatening or, uh, you know, like, a, say, for example, being stuck in traffic. You know, I'm stuck in traffic. Traffic's going to make me late for work. Uh, therefore, I get stressed out, you know. Mm-hmm. But it's the, the reason why the, the traffic's not a threat. You know, it's the it's my perception of that traffic that makes it sound threatening to me because based on my pre-existing ideas, I I believe I got to be somewhere. You know, I believe people are paying me to be somewhere. I believe they're not going to pay me anymore if I'm not there. Uh, You know, (laughs) there's these are these are thoughts. These are thoughts that exist in my head at the moment I enter traffic. Uh, So understanding that our stress response, which has all these physical implications in in our in our health is uh, is really brought on by uh, you know our interpretation of things in our environment. Then uh, the the uh, the path that I talk about in my book and my other writing is because is understandably quite simple. Even though it's a complex mechanism, it's understandably quite simple. We can change those thoughts. We change the way we att- we uh, in, you know react to things in our environment that might cause us stress. You know, and so that's the whole basis. It's uh, it's something that psychologists refer to as reframing. Or other uh, other people call it cognitive restructuring. Again, those same people would call the thoughts schemas. You know, it's like they yeah. overcomplicate things. Right. Uh, you know, my from my point of view, some people like their answers complicated. You know, it's like the, the brain's a complicated thing. So, of course, you know, my situation is not simple. You can't just reduce me down to, you know, you know, think happy thoughts and I'm going to be better. Well, if you're going to think that way, no, it's not going to work. Uh, you know, uh, there is a real basis uh, to changing the way you think. And it helps to produce, uh, you know, a more healthy output. You know, a less stressed, uh, less affected by stress, uh, you know, less um, uh physical and, and emotional, uh, you know, effects of stress, you know, I mean, we suffer less if we can just adjust our attitude. That's why guys like Cuban are a great example of this, because Cuban has a, has a wonderful attitude towards stress, you know, and, um, and this is a guy who's, who's, who's been trained to deal with, like, some of the, the most significant stressors that I can even imagine, right. you know? I can't imagine what's, so can you tell, <laughs> let's talk about, like, you, what your specialty was in the, in the Army. Well, I was a mechanic was my actual job. All right, that's not job. why you're in this room. <laughs> <laughs> However, comma, pause for effect. Uh, I was an airborne paratrooper um, my entire 17 years in the military. I was medically retired, but retired, retired. Sure. I'm happy now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I jumped out of airplanes. That's what I did. And it's nothing like civilian free fall, skydiving, anything like that. 
we're tethered to an aircraft. We're at a very low altitude. Your parachute opens up hopefully in eight seconds. And then within eight to ten seconds or so, you're on the ground. And you're not wow. hitting the ground nicely either. Right. But you're counting on all your, your, um, your safety personnel, your jump masters. and all. I was also a jump master. Um, that was what I really wanted to be. I wanted to be that safety guy. Uh, talking these soldiers through it, training them through it, and uh, setting them up for success, you know, as I was in the past. So I see, I see something like that, like what Paul, uh, not Paul. <laughs> well, I don't know. You jump out of airplanes. <laughs> I see stuff like I, I see what Cuban do, what does or what he used to do as uh, as an extremely stressful event. All right, most of us in an airplane, and if we, if I, if I, you know, if I was up in an airplane somewhere, and somebody say, "Hey, Brian, I want you, to, I want you to be on the ground in eight seconds," uh, you know, I, yeah. I would be uh, noticeably, cons- I, I would be legitimately concerned about that. <laughs> you know, I would be stressed. That would be an environment and a situation that would ca- that my brain would interpret as a potential threat. Uh, you know, I would I would get anxious. I would get nervous. I would probably you know I I wouldn't be able to function. You know, yeah, yeah. and I think that's uh, and I so I use the guys like uh, like like Cuban as as a way to describe how to you know because you've gotten to a point where you can you can really handle a large amount of stress oh, yes. more so than the average person beyond you know? just airborne. Oh yeah, and you know a lot of the stuff that you talked about in the book, uh, the coping mechanisms, the rewiring. I mean, that's really what we did. You had three weeks of airborne training. That was it. Wow. Three weeks. And it was the first two weeks was the actual training. Mm-hmm. The third week was basically jumping out of the aircraft. Wow. And then you get five jumps in airborne school to graduate. Five jumps and that's it. Wow. And you go to your new unit, what we call a five jump chump or a cherry, you know. <laughs> and um, you're expected to now jump with this unit with all these guys who have been jumping for years or maybe yeah. a year or maybe a few months. And it's those jump masters and safety's job to, you know, basically identify, you know, high risks or moderate risks and, and uh, help those soldiers out. Sometimes you have to talk them through it. You're talking three weeks of training before wow. you're jumping out of airplanes. <laughs> yeah. But they, they, they teach you the mechanical process in that school. Mm-hmm. And it really does take your mind off of a lot of the, the stressors of, oh, my God, I'm about to jump out of the door of an Air Force yeah. aircraft with all kinds of, you know, over 60 pounds of junk strapped to me right. that was packed by a young soldier anyways, you know. And you didn't like, even oh, pack you your own stuff. Don't even him. pack your own stuff. <laughs> There's right. a job in the Army for wow. that, you know. And and so all that's going through your head, but it's not. It's the steps that's that you're basically just going with. And, and you... It, Coping. Mm-hmm. I mean, it does. So let me ask you: You change that mentality, right? You you go through this training and you become uh, capable of handling a pretty extreme stress situation. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, how does that affect day to day life uh, after you know jumping out of airplanes a whole bunch? I mean, really, I, I think you said it best. If you can jump out of an airplane, you can handle traffic. You know, it's <laughs> it, it, yeah. it's, it's it's really true. Um, I. I remembered what the military taught us to deal with stressors, you know, in combat situations, in airborne situations, all that. And I can apply that to my day-to-day. I mean, we were driving up to New Jersey, uh, almost had a bumper-to-bumper on I-95. Wow. And I'm talking really close, jamming brakes. And my wife, she's, you know, over the moon. Oh, oh my God. Yeah. I'm fine. I'm like, just relax. We're good. You know, I feel a little flutter, but I'm fine. I really am. Yeah. And then I'm able mm-hmm. to just maneuver around and 
take care of it. And she always says, I don't understand how you can deal with this crap. Well, <laughs> I, I've, I have you, a you've background. Had, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You, you've, had, you've, you've lived through significantly uh, worse situations. Absolutely. You know? And you've been trained. You've been, now, think about this, though. I mean, like, I, so I always use guys like Cuban, and Cuban's a great example, too, because not, not everybody goes through that kind of training and comes out with such a good head. You know what no, I mean? Right. It's a good, you know, good, uh, you know, that's this PTSD uh, it was originally identified in soldiers for a reason. You know, it's right. a high stressful situation. Uh, but uh, imagine you take that situation and that training and everything that's going through your head and you're in the airplane, you have to jump out. And imagine instead of just, hey, eight seconds from now, I want you to be on the ground. It's yeah. eight seconds from now, I want you to be on the ground. And, oh, see those people over there with the guns? I want you to land near them. Uh, right. You know, the ones that are trying to shoot you? <laughs> I want yeah, you to land. Right. You know, imagine a combat situation. Yeah, and you, you didn't absolutely. do combat, but you were... Not uh, combat, You no. throw that in. Ooh. <laughs> oh, I was deployed. I was deployed. No. <laughs> <laughs> but you throw that factor in, yeah. and it just becomes absolutely. an enormous... And, again, this is my imagination. I yeah. imagine this is yes. a door. There's probably other situations that are... Uh, equally stressful, probably even more so. You know, I, it's funny, uh, you mentioned law enforcement, so I've done drive-alongs with uh, police officers yeah. and, and a whole bunch of different places. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, I don't know if this is true with, with military, with you guys in the Airborne or Special Forces, but the, uh, the cops, uh, they get through their day by relying on humor. Right. Uh, you know, they, they, humor is really important. You know, they'll have, they'll, they'll, you know, see some just horrible, horrible stuff. Yeah. You know, humanity at its lowest point. Right. And then during lunch over coffee, they're making jokes about it. You know, it's how they don't, it's how they are able to cope and not internalize the just horrible things that they have to see on a regular basis. We call that know? soldier fuel, uh, dark humor, very yeah. dark yeah. humor. but. You yeah, know, it, it brings us up, and it, it also brings that camaraderie. Soldier too. fuel? Soldier fuel. Why yeah. didn't you share that with me when I was writing the book? <laughs> <laughs> that is well, a marketing. That, now, the, the, the title of the third book, apparently. <laughs> Soldier fuel. <laughs> I like that. What a know. great phrase. I'm so <laughs> mad at you right now. thoughts <laughs> just they come to me. I don't know. I get it. Can I just say one yeah. thing? All right, you One quote that you gave me for the book was that you had to be up at zero dark 30. Oh, right. Dark oh, dark 30. Uh, you, my publisher and my editor went uh, weeks trying to figure out how to express that in text. <laughs> uh, I'm like, I'm like, they put so much effort into, uh, you know, figuring oh, out, oh, dark 30. Like, because I, I originally wrote it as OH, and then they thought, is you were saying, oh, dark 30. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and so they were, you know, grammatically correct representation of oh, dark 30. And meanwhile, you're holding gems like, like, uh, like, like, what was it? Uh, Soldier fuel. I could have gave them soldier fuel, and they were arguing about O Dark Thirty. You need to call me up again, and let's. let's That's right. (laughs) How how incredible! Well, you know, I think that we've kind of, uh, you know, we've kind of talked about what the process is. How long does it take? Yeah. That's just, that's the thing. Is that the individual so, thing deal? So that's a uh, that's a lifetime. You know, uh, like I, I'm a really stress resilient person. I can handle stress pr- uh, pretty well. I've got a good natured attitude, and although I, I I say that I would probably freak out in an airplane, truth is, if I had the training and and uh, you know I had the parachute strapped to me, I'd probably be okay. You know, I bungee jumped. I've done you know comparable oh, things. Yeah, uh, um, I'd probably be okay only because I I I I know. 
uh, or my mindset is already at that point. That's a lifetime. That's a lifetime of thinking the right way and changing the way you think and so forth. Cuban, uh, you know, although you joined the military and that was your pers- first experience jumping out of airplanes and doing anything extreme, you still had a pretty good attitude towards things prior to, you know, we talked about the way he dealt with stress before joining mm-hmm. the military. Still had a good attitude towards stuff. And so that's really a lifetime. You know, if you're suffering from anxiety, and like hard, like you know, anxiety, crippling anxiety or depression, or, or you know, you have some physical condition that's related to stress. You're not going to turn things a hundred percent, you know, all the way around overnight. You know, we're talking about a uh, a long term change of the way you think, which is literally why we use the phrase rewiring the brain. Uh, because, uh, you know, as you uh, ha- have lived your life in a certain way to where you focus on the negative, to where you worry, to where you ruminate, to where you are, are constantly uh, th- imagining, uh, you know, negative outcomes of, of, you know, that's a tough thing to overcome. And so the rewiring part is the practice of just trying to, uh, uh, to t- create little changes in your thought patterns over time. And over time, they do add up. But, you know, yeah. therapy for depression takes years you know and most people don't recover because you know uh, therapy for anxiety same thing you know Uh, meds you know people often go the med route which you know and and meds I have no problem with meds you know uh, my on my book jacket it does say you know medication free and cost free and that's true it doesn't take medication or money to change the way you think Uh, But it does take a lot of effort. And if you're going against a lifetime of, I I would, you know, hesitate to say wrong, but it is kind of, you know, know, negative or unhealthy thinking. If you're going against a lifetime of unhealthy thought processes and trying to change those later in life, it's difficult. You might need some help and spend some money for some meds, you know. Whatever it takes to get you to it. Right. One of the things in my storied life, I've been a 911 operator, police dispatcher. I also worked for the campus police. I had a captain over there who would say, Paul, breathe. <laughs> so breathing is one of the, is, is interesting uh, because, uh, you know, as of, out of all the physiological uh, uh, effects that our body has, you know, you're, you have your heart rate, you have your uh, skin conductance, you have your perspiration, right? You, uh, out of all these things that your body is currently doing, the only thing that you really have some voluntary influence over is your breath. Uh, you know, I can't say, hey, Paul, start sweating. Uh, you know, I can't do that. Right. But I can, t- I can say, hey, Paul, you know, manage your breath. Uh, because your, your breathing starts to, uh, you know, to, to increase as your heart rate increases, as your need for oxygen increases, because you think you're being threatened, right? Mm-hmm. And so if you can take voluntary control over that breathing, it helps to calm down those other aspects. Uh, it's the only thing that you can voluntarily control. And I'd like to use an example on that. Uh, basic military rifle, rifle marksmanship. Yeah. Um, it, it's a very stressful time. It, weapons, you know, you're, you're worried about getting the right score, so you get promotion points and all this. Right. It's often hot. It's often cold. It's often wet. It's often dry. It's often rocky. Whatever. It's never a comfortable situation. And you've got to be as still as can be. You have to be. And what they tell us is to breathe. The breathing exercises is absolutely one of your best ways to get yep. your body in that still perfect. You know, form. it's interesting too. Uh, people, you know, we, meditation is getting a lot of talk yeah. and coverage in the past couple of decades. Uh, 
Uh, you know, medica- meditation used to be thought of as something, ah, you know, it's this thing that they do in certain religions, blah, you know. Uh, but uh, scientists are actually studying meditation uh, and the medical benefits and therapeutic benefits of meditation. Uh, people don't understand meditation. Meditation means breathing. Right. <laughs> That's really right. all it is. Uh, you know, it's breathing and then maybe thinking about what's going, you know, what's going on in your head while you're breathing. But it's all based on breathing exercises. And that, I guess, is the essence to being in the moment. Absolutely. If you can get it down to where you focus on what you're taking in and taking out of your lungs, that's pretty remarkable. Well, the name of the book, you know, our time has just flown. The name of the book (laughs) is The Art of Taking It Easy, Dr. Brian King, How to Cope with Bears, and Bears Can Be Anything, Traffic, Traffic, is also representative of (laughs) anything that doesn't really cause you harm, but you react to. Right. And then the rest of life stressors. Like jumping out of airplanes. Yeah, indeed. And and even contains some breathing exercises. So I think that, uh, you know, you've got a gift here for uh, humanity, and your blend of comedy with psychology is a net positive and a help, and I just appreciate you being here. Well, thank you. Thanks for having me, too. I appreciate that. Absolutely. Cuban, thank you very much for being along, too. Thank you very much. Thanks, Brian, for taking me <laughs> along. I, I enjoyed it. And uh, Sarah's in the background. You have one of the more interesting lives, Brian. <laughs> where, <laughs> yes. You know, your That's home another is interview. <laughs> wherever you are. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I really, you know, think you have a, a bold and interesting uh, approach to life, which is... Go out, perform, be where you're going to be, live with the people that you're living with. We love the fact that you come home to Fayetteville to roost every once in a while, and we hope you'll be visiting us again. I definitely will. Thank you. This has been Talk Back, a public affairs presentation of the Beasley Media Group Fayetteville. I'm Paul Johnson sitting in this week for Danny Highsmith. Have a great day.